Hi, this is Nayetta. Hi, this is Sin. And welcome to The The Help Help Show. Hello, welcome back and thank you for tuning in for our second episode in our October four-part series, Addicted to Losing Yourself. Today we have Ms. Sherry Llewellyn Irvin, licensed professional counselor and licensed chemical dependency counselor, discussing the definition of signs and symptoms, as well as the implications of substance abuse and drug addiction with Nayetta. Hi, this is Nayetta. I am with Ms. Sherry Ellen Irving. She is a LPC and a C-A-R-T, is that right? Mm-hmm, that's correct. Okay, because I didn't get it right early. She had to check me. <laughs> <laughs> and we will be talking about drug addiction. And I want to say first, thank you so, so much. Thank you for interviewing me. Thank you for interviewing Mm -hmm. with the Help Show. Mm -hmm. And I'm giving you the floor. Okay. Now, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm just so excited to come here and just help you to get out information about drug addiction. As we all know, it's a big problem in our community and in our society. I have been, actually, I have an LCDC as well. I'm an LCDC counselor as well. I got my LCDC license in 97, and I got my LPC license in 2012, I believe. Time passed so fast. Oh, I know. And I am also a certified anger resolution therapist. There are a lot of angry people that I see all the time. So I've been in the field for quite a while. I don't know everything. I'm not an expert. I'm always learning. So all I want to do is just share some of my information that I know with you guys and with your public. Okay. Okay. So, um, my first question mm-hmm. will be for you. In your words, okay. what is drug addiction? In my words, well, I have to say it like this, though, because, uh, you know, there's a lot of research out that drug addiction is a brain disease. That's where it starts first. There have been brain scans, there's been research that has proven that. And, of course, it's still not everybody uh, subscribes to that definition. But... When you think about what drug addiction is, uh, let's let's talk about it is a disease, and when we go talk about, I will bring you home with that. Okay. How would how do you know if you have a cold? How do you know you have a cold? Because you have symptoms. Okay. Like your nose run, mm-hmm. what headaches, mm-hmm. cough. Okay. I don't know everything. Okay. You feel all weak. Okay. Okay. So okay. you know you're just not feeling well, but you know what you do? You continue to push yourself. You go to work, do what you have to do, and you don't go to the doctor. So if you don't go to the doctor, then what will happen to that with that cold? Then it gets worse. It gets worse. It might turn into what? The flu. It may turn into the flu. Yeah, okay. Okay, by that time, you, you, you're really sick. You're not feeling well. Your fever's high and everything like that. So by that time, you need to go to the doctor. So go to the doctor. Then you realize, too, after he checked your chest and stuff like that, you realize that you might be having a walk in the morning. Oh, so he says to you, okay, you need to do this, you need to do that, take this medication, drink plenty of fluids, don't forget your chicken noodle soup, take these uh, uh, antibiotics for seven days, take them all. all and of then all of them. Oh, I gotta take all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and then come back and see me. Okay. Well, we have to do things sometimes, don't we? Okay. Because I can remember many times I didn't take all my antibiotics. And what happens, you have a relapse. Drug addiction is kind of the same way. It's a disease because it has identifiable symptoms. One thing, the disease of drug addiction is called primary. And the reason why it's called primary because it comes first. 
if a person has uh, cirrhosis of the liver, okay, they don't have cirrhosis of the liver first. They drink too much first, which causes cirrhosis of the liver. Okay. So that's why it's primary. It's the first thing. Not only that, and I don't want to get too much ahead of myself, if it's primary, and once the disease starts and take a hold to you and you're, you're fully engaged in your addiction, I mean, all systems go. Only thing you want to do is meet that need and meet that addiction. And I want to get ahead of myself because that's laid on in the program. Okay. Also, it's also progressive. Okay. It gets worse. Okay. Just like you talked about when you had a cold, you, you told me what the symptoms were, and it gets worse if you don't look after it, if you, if you don't go to the doctor and take care of it properly. Okay. Okay, it's, it, it's, it's progressive and it's predictable. Okay. If I get a cold and don't take care of myself, it gets worse. I just predicted it gets worse. And then I have to go to the doctor, because if I don't go to the doctor, I'm gonna have pneumonia. Okay. And I still may have it if I go to the doctor. Bro. Doctor, so I got a, I, I know I got a cold because I know the symptoms. Okay. I know it's gonna progress because I haven't looked after, I haven't treated it. Okay. And it's gonna be predictable. I could die of pneumonia if I don't go to the doctor and get it taken care of. So basically, that's what all drug that's what is. No, actually, that's a disease model. Oh, okay. You can you can take it and apply it to any disease. Okay. It is is it has a predictable path. Okay. Okay. Then it's chronic. Um. It, it, it happens, you, a person become addicted slowly, a person don't become addicted right away. Hmm. You start abusing the drug first, you may start using it recreationally. And then you know what, you can still work, okay. you still have your job. Some of the people that I see right now... So you're functional. You're, you're functional. Okay. Because the addiction haven't taken hold of you yet. Okay. You're just abusing it. Okay. And what happens sometimes with people they really like, and not everybody, but if you have an addictive nature, uh, you, you start liking the way it makes you feel, mm -hmm. and then you lose control to get out of hand, but that's later on in the program, so more stuff with that. Okay. But one of the characteristics of, I call the hallmark of drug addiction, okay. is going to be tolerance and withdrawal. The tolerance means I need more of this drug to get the same results I got six months ago when I started using. Now I need more of it. My tolerance level just went up. I gotta have more of it. Now, I'm having withdrawals from it because when I stop taking it, okay. I get sick. Hmm. I get a headache. Okay. I may throw up. I may get chills. I may have a runny nose. I may know that I didn't get sleepy. Okay. I feel like I have the flu, depending on what drug you're using. Okay. So you got tolerance and you have withdrawals. Okay. Those are the two hallmarks of, of drug addiction. And it's compulsion. You have your compulsion, meaning that you just can't stop. You lost control. Mm. You can't stop. You get up in the morning, and before you can start your day, you got to get your bum. You got to get your bum. It gets down to that. Okay. Okay. So, <clears throat> what factors can mm -hmm. affect an individual's prediction? and or influence mm -hmm. for the risk of, uh, of addiction okay. regarding the following factors, okay. biology, mm -hmm. environment, mm -hmm. and development. Okay, we're, 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 let's talk about biology for a minute. We know that's genetic. And we talked about all the research that's, that's out with that that has proven that there is a, there is a uh, 
predisposed genes somewhere with people who have who may become alcoholics. Um, we know there's a gene factor somewhere with, with people who become addicted. Then when you talk about environmental, let's look at that. Um, you're raising a family where drug use is running rampant. Mom and dad might use marijuana. Mom and dad may drink too much. Mom and dad parties a lot. That becomes a way of life because that's what you know. That's how you grew up. Children will do what they see. And so sometimes that might be normal. I had a client who was who smoked marijuana a lot. And one of the things she said, this was a trigger for her, we get the triggers later too. One of the things she said that when she's in the day room watching television, she wants to smoke some marijuana. Okay. Because when she grew up, she said, everybody in my house smoked marijuana when we were watching TV. That's her environment. That's how she grew up. To her, that was normal. Right. So the, 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 the I'm getting tight tongue. So development is the same thing. If you don't, you get used to a way of living, and you grow up and start using drugs. Okay. Because that's what you've done when you was growing up. Everybody around you was using drugs. They were partying. They were drinking. And your whole development is 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 hinged on that. What you start doing when mom and dad are in the bed sleep or gone somewhere, there's beer in the refrigerator, so you take one out back and you start drinking, you share it with a friend. And before, I had one client tell me she got drunk when she was nine years old. Oh. Six, she was six. She was six? She was six and got drunk for the first time because she grew up in a family where there's a lot of this going on. And sometimes there have been parents who will give kids, especially babies, one client had a had, uh, beer put in her bottle mm. because she wanted, her parents wanted her to go to sleep so they can do what they wanted to do. So this, so this is how people grow up like that sometimes. And so this become a way of life for them and that's what they know. Mm. And of course, these people's lives, uh, addiction have long arms. I mean, they have long arms because this, it just stretches out everywhere. I never thought about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I talk more about that when I get to the society part. Okay. Because it's really, that's a, that was a loaded question. Let me see what we have here. So, mm-hmm. so we we said the biology part, mm-hmm. we did the environment part, mm-hmm. and we did the development part. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay, so what about how are we able to identify signs and symptoms? Mm-hmm. You know what? Oh. That's very easy. Uh, well, maybe it's not so easy. But, um, when you when you're thinking that maybe someone has a drug addiction, there are certain things you're gonna you're gonna always look at behavior. Right. You may have someone. You may have a friend that may drink socially. They might, um, you know, smoke marijuana sometimes. Occasionally, it's a, it's amazing how many people smoke marijuana now. They may smoke marijuana occasionally, but they're still able to pay their bills, go to work, get to work on time. They're still able to attend family functions and things like that. When people, if, if, if a person has to tell someone, I'm really concerned about your drinking. I'm really concerned that you're smoking too much marijuana. Or I'm really concerned that you're doing something else because you're not yourself. Mm-hmm. Because your family members and people at work 
is going to notice a difference with you before you do. Mm. Because you're right there in the problem and you really don't see it. You're still in denial. So if a person tells you, you know what? Did you think you'd had enough to drink? Or if a, if a wife tell a husband, hon, you know what? Um, when you drink, you, you behave badly. You, get, you become angry and argumentative and become irritable. That's a sign that that person may have a problem with drinking. Okay. When it comes to the other drugs sometimes, uh, let's say if a, a person may go out at night and keep odd hours. I mean, they're gone a lot. And there's no explanation of why you're out so late. Then later on, maybe you get uh, past due notices in the mail. Oh. Well, this person has said, I paid that bill, but baby, I got a past due notice. You couldn't have paid this bill. Because okay. we've had the money. So you look, you start looking at the inner circle in the household. Are the bills getting paid? Are they getting paid on time? Okay. Can it, uh, is the person calling in a lot sick from work because maybe I got a headache or I don't feel good today because maybe they partied the night before too much or they had too much to drink on the weekend or they sleeping in all the time because they partied maybe on Friday night and can't get out of bed. Now I'm not talking about this do this one or two times. I'm not talking about that. But is there a consistent pattern with when this person is drinking or when this person is going out, there's no explanation where this person has been. Uh, is the money leaving out of the checking account? Or yeah. have you been using the ATM machine a little too regular? So these are things you look at and you start asking questions, where is this money going? Where's your time? Why are you so sleepy? Why have you been so sick lately? Why are you so argumentative? You know, things, little things like that. It, it, it's going to show up in the family first and then at work you start maybe getting called in, you're not as productive. So basically, but, you're telling me it starts mm -hmm. inner, then outer. Mm -hmm. Inner, mm -hmm. family, mm -hmm. outer. Society. Society. Because okay. think about it. You live with your family, and if anything is going on, they're going to notice it before anybody else. Okay. And then, if the if the wife or significant other, whoever, start talking about, you know what, baby, you're drinking too much, or baby, you, you're out too much late at night, you, you're out three or four nights a week, and... I don't know where you've been, you don't give me an explanation, or if I ask you, it's an argument. Uh, so things like that, and when that starts happening, I guarantee you, the work is gonna be affected, where they're gonna call you in and talk about your productivity. So that's kind of how it works, those little bit subtle things. Let's talk about for a minute if a person is addicted to prescription medication. Okay. Because with prescription medication, <clears throat> You can really hide that for a long time. Because how, after all. How long? A long time. Because you got a prescription. Oh, but hold on. Well, how, how long is how long? Like a year, two years, uh, five years, two years? Well, you know years. what? Uh, let's say someone have a, let's say someone have an injury. Okay. They've had an injury. I get a lot of people who've been in car accidents. They get a prescription for hydrocodone fences or Vicodin or whatever. Okay. And uh, now what doctors are doing, they're not writing prescriptions as regularly. Uh, they're not giving you 30 tablets. They, from what I understand, they're giving you 15. Because Parkland used to give nine tablets in one prescription. Because I've seen it myself. Oh, wow. And now they're not doing that anymore. Okay. Because people are coming addicted to these pain medication. Okay. But you can go months and hide for months because 
I got a prescription. The doctor told me to take these as needed. Okay. And I'm taking them as needed. I know what I need. I know my pain level. You don't. Yeah. Now, and then, now, if you go back to your doctor, if he writes your second prescription, he might not want to write your third prescription. So if you become addicted to that, what you're going to start doing is asking around, where can I get this on the street? Uh-huh. And that's a problem. And that's the problem. And not only that, maybe I don't get it on the street, but maybe I know one of my girlfriends, you know, she uh, broke her foot. Okay. And she had some hydrocodone. Let me call and see if she got any pills down there. Hmm. Call her. So what you start doing is taking other people's medication. Oh. Anything that will help you put you in the in the mode in the mood you want to be in okay so you can hide that for a while um let me see if I want to uh okay I've said everything okay but with, with the with the signs and symptoms mm-hmm. you want to watch the behavior okay because that's what you're going to tap into is it, is it because people can tell you anything yes but if you can point out the behavior okay then they can't deny that I mean, they, they will, because if they, because I'm going to tell you something, if a person is, has an addiction to drugs, they have got to have, I always say this, um, somebody they can go and lie to that's going to believe them, and that's going to be a chief enabler. It's usually maybe a wife, maybe, a, a lot of times it could be a mother. Um, but it's somebody they can go to and get money from, tell the best lie to, and this person is going to believe them because they don't want to believe otherwise. They don't want to believe the truth. They don't want to believe the truth. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So are we able to prevent this? And if so, how? Okay. The first thing you want to do is just, I think a lot of people, I think people are aware that these drugs that are illicit drugs that are against the law, but you shouldn't be using it, marijuana, cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine, things like that. Uh, they know these drugs are against the law. Okay. So just don't, just don't start using those drugs because you can't control that. And what happened with some people, they think they can't control. Now, there have been people that have been able to put the drugs down and didn't need treat, did not need treatment. Most people need treatment. Okay. The thing with alcohol, though, it's a legal drug, and it can it can be misused. It's legal and it's very deadly. Okay. And you have to know your limits. Listen to the people who care about you, cause they 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 see you, and they're gonna tell you, babe, you know, that you think you had enough. And you have to know when you've had enough. So I would say with other drugs, just don't start and listen to people who love you. Next thing we need to do is we need to educate ourselves. We need to educate anytime there is something going on with us that's, that um, we have any kind of inappropriate behavior, any negative consequences and things like that. We need to educate ourselves on how we can prevent this. Now, once you have... You, you know you're abusing drugs, you cannot stop, maybe you got an addiction, you need to go to treatment. And treatment can be threefold, I guess. It can be, um, you may have to just take some preventive measures where you go take some classes and outpatient to learn about 
uh, the, the, uh, the deadly consequences of drug use. Uh, you might have to go into a rehab facility where you have to stay a couple of weeks or whatever. You, when I first got into the field, you could stay in the facility up to three, anywhere from three to six months. Now, unless you got money to, to, to do that, you can't do that. Uh, insurance is not gonna allow you to stay that long. So Most of the time, probably two weeks, maybe three, okay. you know. I think with three, I'm kind of stretching it a little bit. Okay. I'm talking about residential. Mm. They always step you down to, to what we call outpatient, intensive outpatient, where actually you go home and you come back to treatment every day. Okay. Uh, we may have, you may have to go to detox, okay. especially if you have, uh, you may need to be detoxed from alcohol, uh, any, any of the painkillers, the opiates, any of the benzodiazepine like um, Xanax and things like that. So I have a question. Okay. So there's more than detox than just jail, right? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I had to put that in there. And from what I understand, what clients have told me, <laughs> they get drunk and they go to jail for overnight to sleep it off. Oh, okay. But, uh, but uh, they just drunk on the street. But, you know, if you're going to detox, uh, they'll have to, they'll take you to uh, a hospital. Okay. And and you have to get detox there. And not every hospital would detox, so they'll know the ones that will. And so, uh, and I think detox will take about four or five days in the hospital. Then they'll try to step you down, and they will refer you to a treatment program. So, uh, and support. We have to have support. We need support of those people who say they love us yes. and care about us because... When people have an addiction, it, it, uh, especially with women, it's such a stigma. And especially if a woman has children, because like I, I work with a lot of CPS clients, and to have your child taken away from you because someone has called and said that you've been using drugs and you have kids in the house, and then when they come out, they give you a drug test and you fail, and they may take your children and put them in CPS custody. So now, not only do you not have your kids, but your family's mad at you. You feel bad about yourself as a woman and as a mother. So you need support of people who say they care about you. Kind of like your cheerleaders to, to help you and tell you, you know, things are going to be okay. And things will be okay if you do the things you need to do. And when you go to treatment, treatment is not a cure-all for everything. You just don't go to a treatment facility and when you come out, you're going to be good. No, you're not going to be good. When you go to a treatment facility, they're going to educate you as well. And they're going to tell you the things you need to do to stop using drugs and, and learn how to live clean and sober. But you have to do those things. And I always tell my clients, you already know it's going to be hard. You already know that. It's not going to be easy. So get ready. So you, may, you, you have to have your mind made up of what you're going to do. And sometimes, even when you have your mind made up and you really want to do this, sometimes you might have a relapse. You might have a relapse, but that doesn't mean you have to continue um, using drugs. If you relapse, pick yourself off, dust yourself off, and start over. Okay. Okay. Is drug addiction substance abuse curable? Mm -mm. It's not curable. But you can live a productive, purposeful life if you have a drug addiction. And the reason why I know that is I know a lot of people who've had 20 years, 25 years, 
and never picked up a, another alcohol bottle, never done any more pills, never smoked any more crack cocaine, have never done anything. But there are things in place you need to do. Um, and the way we're going to treat this is that we're going to get educated, like we said before. But these, there are some specific things. For instance, if I'm an addict, the last thing I need to do is to continue to associate myself with people that are using. And some of these people have been my dearest friends. Some of these people are my family members. But I know these people use. And if I go around and start associating with these people, I'm going to have the urge to use. Right. And I, we, I tell clients all the time, when you are babe in your recovery, because that's what we call it, you can't go around these people that are still using because that's too much. That's going to trigger you, and you're going to want to use too. That's too much for you. But sometimes they will do that anyway. People do that anyway because they are said, tell themselves, I can do this. Just because they use it don't mean I have to use. It doesn't. But you don't need to be going over there either because that's too much. So you're going to get your support group going, sometimes either a 12-step meeting or... I have a lot of people who go to the church. They they enjoy church. I I suggest that they do both if they you know if you want to do a twelve step meeting. Some people don't do twelve steps and they've been able to stay clean and sober. But the twelve step, from what I understand, are just a there is it's like a, it has a, a spiritual component to it mm-hmm. because sometimes people when they have uh, if they have an active addiction, they're mad at God because mm-hmm. their lives are like this, so they don't believe in God. Or, I guess, I, well, I'm going to say God because I believe in God. But uh, when you are working in a program, they don't like for you to use God, even though God is in the 12 steps. I have still haven't got that down. But anyway, <laughs> you don't understand that concept. Okay. But anyway, um, they tell you, uh, they, they use the term high power. Okay. What they use okay. the crap out. That's the term that's used in the recovery community. Okay. I say God or Jesus Christ. That's just me. Anyway, so you need that support. Okay. You need that education. You need to start doing something different. You can't go around the same places you used to go around. Same people. You can't go around the same people. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna be stressed because life is just like that. You have to find healthier ways to deal with your stress. Um, one of the things you said you like to do is work out, and I bet that that you just feel good when you work out. Yes. You know, uh, start start doing some healthy things. Okay. If you if you if you're stressed, what can you do to relieve your stress? As a counselor, my thing is to help them feel just as good without having to depend upon the marijuana, marijuana. cigarette. Correct. And so teaching them other outlets, you know, finding something purposeful to do. Uh, don't get busy doing busy work, but finding something that you enjoy doing, a hobby, helping go, go feed the hungry, you know, be useful. Um, uh, go back to school if you want to, uh, but any, you just have to be able to deal with life on life terms. Anything that you get outside of yourself to help you cope with, 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 with what's going on with you, it's just not a healthy way to do it. We have everything we need to help us feel better about ourselves. We just have to figure out how to get it. What drugs are commonly abused? Okay, 
I would say alcohol, uh, nicotine, marijuana, methamphetamines, prescription medications, of course, and heroin. Okay. I just want to get prescription drugs in there somewhere. How do you know if someone is addicted to drugs? Mm. You know what? If you have to hide something, mm. something is wrong with it. Okay. You can't control it. If you can't, if you're working every day and on Friday, you get out from work. And the first thing you want to do is go and buy you some liquor or you want to go to the nearest dope house mm. before you go home. That's a problem. Now, addiction, like I said, we talked about earlier, it's, it's progressive. Uh, you can't do without it. I have, Ms. Sherry, I have got it. Ms. Sherry, look here. I have got to have me, I got to smoke me some marijuana. <laughs> My nerves are just too bad. But I smoke the marijuana. I feel wonderful. Okay. I, I, I just got to have it. I just get, you know what? I am going to not smoke marijuana okay. because I'm on probation. But soon my probation over, I'm going to get me some marijuana. It's all this year. When this case is closed, <laughs> when I get to with CPS, I, you, I, you know what? I've already told my CPS, I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to smoke me some marijuana. Now, first of all, hmm. I don't care if you tell me marijuana is an herb. It's grown from other herbs. Yes, I, I would hear that. <laughs> okay. And this is this is not Colorado. This is Texas. Okay. It is not legal yet. It's not legal yet. Okay. That's one thing. It's not legal. It's because oftentimes, well, you know, it's a, no, it's not. Well, it's, it, it's, it has medicinal purposes and they have prescription. Do you have a prescription for <laughs> No, you don't. Okay. So I'm going to hear that. It's against the law, and you are purposely breaking the law because you're smoking marijuana. And so that, and when people, that's one of the biggest, uh, uh, one of the biggest problems I see now with, with, with people using drugs, that people that I serve, is that a lot of them do use marijuana, and they don't know why that they are been given such a hard time, why their children are taken, because they just smoke, because I only smoke marijuana. And I tell them, you are uh, using an illegal substance. Yes, I know you don't smoke it in front of your children. Praise God for that. Okay. But you use an illegal substance, and you have your children in the house with you. And when you're getting high on marijuana, I don't care what you say, you cannot be fully present with your children if you're high. Then you can tell it to somebody else. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> How? <clears throat> I mean, what is the, okay? So the question I have for you: mm -hmm. What is withdrawal to okay. you? Okay. And how long does withdrawal last? Okay. Withdrawal is when a person have used a substance. Okay. They stop using the substance, and they get sick. Uh, it's, it's sort of like having a real bad case of the flu. And it's really bad for people who are uh, coming off of heroin. Okay. When I used to work at Nexus Recovery Center, um, we would get a lot of women who had a heroin addiction. Okay. We would send them to detox. Okay. And some of them would actually leave 
before the detox period was over, they leave the same night because because the uh, the symptoms were so bad. They have they have body aches, they have diarrhea, um, they may have the shakes. Um, depending on what, what the drug is, they may hallucinate. Um, because different drugs are going to have different type of detox, like with alcohol, you're going to have irritability, um, you're going to have real bad shakes, you're going you're gonna to vomit a lot, probably with both of you are going to vomit a lot, and you are just sick. Yeah. I've had clients that tell me that, Ms. Urban, I feel like my whole body is just just in pain, and, and if I go get a, just a little bit, that'll calm me down. But what they do when they go to detox, they give them medication to help them ease the uh, the pains of withdrawal because withdrawal can be pretty bad. And if a person just uh, there are some drugs that you just abruptly stop. I think it's I want to say it's um, alcohol and Xanax. Especially if you become addicted to it and you abruptly stop it, you can actually uh, it can be fatal. Mm. Now, as far as how long it would last, depending on it depends on a lot of things. Depends on. So I have a question. Okay. So you remember the movie um, of Ray Charles where Jamie Foxx played the movie? Yes. Plays that mean played yes. Ray Charles. And remember when he pretty much detoxed himself? He was sick. And he was sick. Mm-hmm. Is it like literally sick like that? Oh, like, it's, sick, it's sick like that. Yes. Because, you know. It's sick like that. Because, you know, it is a movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's sick like that. It's sick like that. Do you remember the movie? Um, New Jack City? Oh, yeah. Remember when, um, what's his name, that played the guy that was on drugs? They put him, they, they uh, he went undercover for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, Chris Rock. Chris yeah. Rock. Yeah. Remember when he was in that room in mm-hmm. there and then he was detoxing? It's like that. It, it's, it's bad. It's like that. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people just cannot, they can't go through that initial 24 hour period uh, uh, when they give them the medication they can't go through that uh, they don't have time to let the medication work because they're just so sick mm. but what happens is if they continue to uh, if, they, if they leave treatment if they continue to use just to feel better they're never going to get off of it. I've had clients that tell me that Ms. Irvin I've tried to do it but I just can't stand the pain so I just go out and get some we've had people to, to leave the facility and come back Oh, because they really wanted to get help, but it just, the detox was just so painful. And, and as far as lasting, um, normally you would, stay in, you would stay in a detox unit for maybe three or four days, maybe five, but they would step you down to a, a lower case, I mean, a lower uh, level of uh, treatment. But you might still, they might still give you the medication to help you take off. So probably in a week or two, you should be good. But if you pick up and use again, it's going to start all over. Okay. What are the costs of drug abuse to society? Wow. Man, let me tell you. That's a loaded question. You know, earlier I talked about the long arms of addiction. Okay. And when you're talking about society, the cost of it, think about society. Society is made up of people. Okay. People produces families. Okay. Then you have all these institutions. You have you have your government institutions that are um, that 
we pay for out of our pocket, our taxpayer money pay for that. You have your jails, you have your treatment centers, you have the county hospitals, because not everybody goes to the county hospitals is gonna have money to pay. Someone has to pay for that. You talk about all the medication that has to be produced so that people can take medication to feel better if they go to detox. And it can be a burden uh, financially on, on, uh, on society. And then you talk about, let's talk about the, um, the families that, it, that is corrupted. Uh, let's talk about uh, people who, um, their, their, their values are compromised. And if my values are compromised and I'm an addict, I may go out and prostitute. Mm. I may go out and, and, and rob somebody. I may go out and kill somebody because I need to use my drug. These are problems with society. Um, people are in fear. They put burglar bars on their on the door. Uh, somebody stole my plant off my front porch, and I know he sold it for about five thousand. Yes, it is. It is real life. Yes, they stole my plant. That was a pretty plant. I was upset. They stole several things off my front porch. I was just so mad. Anyway, so. Then you talk about the jails. Okay. The jails are just so crowded. Who pays for that? That comes out of our pocket, our taxpayers' money. Most definitely. That's a lot. That's a lot. These people have got to be fed. They have got to be clothed. Uh, be clothed. Yeah. They get sick. They go to the county jail. Go to the county hospital. Who pays for that? Taxpayers. The taxpayers. So it's a real burden on society. And more than anything, I think. Um, when people become addicted to drugs, you become spiritually bankrupt. If you if you know, I'm gonna just put it out there. If you know the Lord and you get on drugs, you become spiritually bankrupt because your values that you that you held so dear become compromised, and you start doing things that you never thought you would do because you have to feed your addiction. So, Ms. Sherry, mm -hmm. I do have questions about um, your facility. Mm -hmm. So, you can tell them about your facility that, you, um, that you're contracted with right now. Okay. I'm a contractor with a facility called Zoom Counseling and Rehab. And it's a counseling facility. It's not inpatient or outpatient. It's a counseling facility. And everyone that works at the facility is on contract. So, we work with clients... Um, we have a large CPS contract, so we work with clients from CPS. That's where we get a lot of referrals. We do have referrals from insurance companies and things like that, and um, pretty much CPS referrals and working with Medicaid, um, some other insurance companies because we do take cash and we do take insurance. So okay. that's kind of what we do. Okay. Um, I also what. What credentials and licenses does the program clinical staff hold? We have uh, lots of LPCs, and we have uh, probably three or four LCDCs, licensed chemical dependency counselors. Mm -hmm. We just recently, I think we have a psychologist, because a lot of the people, uh, we have field work as well, so a, a lot of the people, we have a lot of new people I haven't met yet, but we do have a, uh, we do have a psychologist, 
and I think everybody else is pretty much counselors. Okay. Also, what is the patient to counselor ratio? My case was I have about 30 people on my caseload. Uh, I work in the office most days, and on an average day, I'll see about six people on on average, maybe seven, but six or seven on average. Mm-hmm. And I have one day where I work in the field, and I have about four or five people there. Okay. Is treatment gender specific? No. Um, what I would say, because we get uh, males and females, we have children, okay. but what I would say is specific would be the treatment plans. Um, because just because everyone that we might see might have, uh, may have, uh, it may, they may have a drug addiction uh-huh. and they may have abused drugs, uh-huh. but that doesn't mean that, uh, the, that I mean the treatment plan is going to be, um, the same. We are going to address those issues, but everybody has something different going on. So we're going to make sure the treatment plans will be suitable for the client. So it's going to be more specific. Okay. Does the program address a full range of needs to help the individual, including medical, Mm -hmm. psychological, spiritual, social, and health wellness issues? You know what? Um, I can only speak for myself. They they want us to do that because we talked about, actually I had a conversation with the guy that runs the, that uh, owns the facility about uh, having been holistic in our approach to clients and uh, you in order to be effective and for the client to have uh, the best outcome you want to make sure that all these things are in place if there's any mental health issues going on you want to make sure that the client is seeing someone for that you're going to do that referral or if I'm with a um, CPS client, I'm going to contact the CPS worker and suggest that the client have a psychiatric evaluation. If the client uh, doesn't have a place to live, if the place where the client is living is not conducive to the client's recovery, the client's well-being, I'm going to get on the phone and I'm going to try to help her make some contacts or I give her some information to make her own contacts. And then I'm going to keep following up with her to make sure she's done that. Uh, if there are any medical issues, of course, I'm going to refer the client to uh, a medical doctor. And again, as a counselor, I need to follow up with that to make sure that she's doing that. He or she, I keep saying she, but he or she is doing that. So, and you talk about the spiritual component, I think that's very important. You know, we have to, that's, that's, to me, that's hands down. you got to have that. And we do talk about that. Now, I don't, I'm not trying to save anybody, you know. <laughs> okay. And I'm not trying to preach the gospel to anybody. But when you get clients, sometimes when you do get clients, some clients are very open about their belief system. Okay. And you just kind of work with that, you know. You just do that because you don't want to put your beliefs off on anybody. Okay. What is, in, what is the environment at the facility mm-hmm. like? Okay, where I am, uh, I really like it. It's, uh, it's casual, but professional. It's a small facility. We have uh, very few people that work in the office, and we're like family. And so it's just, it's wonderful. I, I really like the atmosphere. Uh, I think it's a great place to work. Oh, I like that. <clears throat> Is there ongoing support after leaving the treatment? I'm hoping that it is. 
because that is one thing that we really stress as a counselor uh, for clients to have support. And I have to tell you that I have had clients, the support was very limited and I was very concerned. And I told them I was concerned because if you only have your husband or your significant other that you're talking to and you don't talk to anybody else and you have no more support, that's an issue. That's an issue for that client because no man is an island. You just cannot depend on this one person to be your cheerleader all the time. Right. You gotta reach out and you gotta have support. If that doesn't happen, the problem may repeat itself. Well, Ms. Sherry, this was wonderful. Thank you, thank you. Um, I wanna say thank you so much okay. for interviewing with the Help Show. Thank you. And I really hope that our listeners, they have learned something from so this interview. Okay. And how how drug addiction it really can affect you, okay. and that you truly need mm-hmm. a support mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. And I hope that with Zoom, with the facility that you're with, and you know other facilities, mm-hmm. they can reach out, mm-hmm. you know, to mm-hmm. and, and to get help. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with needing help. It's nothing wrong because we all need help. We all need help. Yes. So I want to say thank you for thank educating you. me because oh, it's you. a lot that I did learn today. You guys <laughs> better watch out now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just want to say thank you. Thank you again. And okay. Everybody, this is the Help Show. I'm Nyana Reynolds. I'm speaking with Sherry Food Ellen Irving, and we're signing out. Okay. Good night, guys. Good night. <laughs> For more information, visit us on our website at thehelpshow.com. Thank you for listening and please stay tuned.